0: All right. So when you think about the holidays, what image comes to mind? And for some, it might be sitting around a holiday table with friends and family or spending time with loved ones or watching some holiday movies, sipping hot cocoa and all of the warm holiday fuzzies. Okay, so that might be, you know, an image option. Or is your reality more like that of a lot of Americans, especially nowadays? uncomfortable or downright hostile conversations with members of your family who feel very differently about you on a whole range of polarizing topics, which could include politics, social justice, the economy, and, you know, democracy, genocide, and so much more. If your face went,
1: then you're with us because the most important question when you're contemplating this is, what are we supposed to do about this? Are we supposed to, as the New York Times suggests in their How to Avoid Awkward Conversations piece in mid-November, first try and, quote, stifle those conversations? Because that doesn't seem very realistic. Let's face it, your racist uncle is going to say what he wants to say, regardless of how many times you try to steer him towards safe topics, if there is such a thing. And here at the podcast, we don't think people actually want to avoid having uncomfortable conversations. We think it's more about they don't know how to have them. More than anything, we're finding that people want practical tips.
0: Oh, I love that framing because let's face it, we are in an extremely dark period, both as a country and on a global level. We have what may be the most contentious election in our lifetime next year, and you know, asterisk this. I know we said this in 2020. (laughs) We probably said it a lot in 2020. Um, We stand corrected, actually. And we're still going to be gathering with people a lot over the next year, despite all of that. We think these difficult conversations, as a result, will only ramp up in frequency, tone, and seriousness going forward. So in this episode, we're going to be sharing tons of tools that you need to have those uncomfortable conversations with family, with friends, and perhaps even yourself now through 2024.
1: Love that you just modeled that we can get be corrected. We're all going to make mistakes on this journey, and we would love to hear what has also worked for you as you navigate whatever difficult conversations might be coming your way. Send us an email or pictures at hello at dearwhitewomen.com, or you can even tag us on Instagram at podcast, and we might be able to share what's worked for you on our social media. Welcome to the Dear White Women podcast, the show that helps white women use their privilege to uproot systemic racism without centering themselves in the process. We are your biracial Japanese and white hosts, Sarah and me, Sasha. So you know how our formula tends to be this threefold, listen, learn, and act? Well, if you don't, that's our formula. And today, we're leaning pretty heavily into the act side of things with a topic we've been asked a lot about, namely, how on earth do I handle it when those uncomfortable, racist, and or homophobic, and or transphobic, and or otherwise inappropriate comments and jokes come up in the real world? Because let's be real, they're coming up.
0: So true, because let's face it, in 2023, we are getting back together again. A recent survey of 2000 Americans looked at their social calendars for this winter and found that the average person will attend five different gatherings, and that is in-person gatherings, this holiday season. Results showed that a majority of respondents are excited about the holiday season, even if they don't celebrate one of the common winter holidays, and that was about 84%, which is a huge number. And three and four are expecting to be busier during the holiday season this year, especially those who will be hosting others, which is around 85%. So how do you prepare yourself when you know that you may be walking straight into one or more uncomfortable conversations this holiday season?
1: Great question. And
0: it's important for
1: us to say that first things first, there is no checklist, pretty much like everything related to racism or any of the isms. And I know that may send a few of you into a tailspin or make you want to stop listening, but rest assured, we are not ending here. So while there is no checklist, there are things to keep in mind to avoid sort of standing like a deer caught in the headlights when you hear something racist. And then you do that thing where you think about it hours later on the drive home, or as you're waking up the next morning, and then you realize what you wanted to say, that feeling is the worst. So we're going to suggest a bunch of things. Listen up. Number one is prep work. Much like you want to have that holiday potluck dish ready to go before you get in the car or before you have guests show up, you're going to want to do some work beforehand on the conversational front too, just to make sure you're ready. We're going to share with you some of our favorites.
0: All right. So first of all, really important, know yourself and your biases before you get into any conversation. If you don't know yourself or your why, it's hard to really listen to, empathize with, or, you know, even agree on some level with others. And I think it's really important, and we talk about this a lot, to keep this very real because everyone has biases. And that's completely normal as having bias has kept us physically safe. And Sarah, you talk about this a lot from the time of the saber-toothed tiger. It taught us to run, but to remain blind to those biases that may be harmful, that's on us now. And along with knowing our biases, it's also important to know where the gaps in our own knowledge are and be ready to admit those, to be curious to learning more about them because there's no way to know everything about everything, right? Just like Sarah, you were talking about making mistakes earlier. We're not going to know everything. So we've got to do this inner work before we get into that car or open our front door to guests.
1: Great first start. And then I'd say we want to set some boundaries for the conversations, whether that's in your head or explicitly stated. Things like nobody can use the N-word and explain why if that's needed. Things like there's to be no mocking or generalizing about groups of people. Or don't use descriptors of skin color or sexuality or gender identity unless it's really material to the story. You know, that's a lot of don't do's. But on the flip side, I think it's also important and really kind of uplifting to think about what you do want to talk about and have some of those topics prepped and ready beforehand, even if it's only in your mind.
0: I love that, the emphasis on the, what do you want to talk about? And I think when we talk about boundaries, we often get asked, okay, what do you mean by that? So Sarah, can you give us some examples of what boundaries look like in your house or what topics you're thinking that you do want to talk about?
1: I'm glad you asked, but I think it's important that we set the stage here. So my, I am Japanese and white. My husband is a white Canadian man. My extended family consists of all white people. When I thought about it, I have One, two. I have at least three, maybe four white sisters-in-law. I don't know why numbers are escaping me right now. (laughs) I have one white brother-in-law. The only person of color in our extended family is my Japanese mom, which stands in contrast to you, just to set the tone for this conversation, right?
0: Yes, I have no white sisters-in-law. You know, my sisters-in-law are either Black or Iranian. So that is a distinctly different (laughs) holiday mix than yours. Right? So-
1: in this family that we have, we have in the past spoken about the true history of Thanksgiving multiple times over the years, right? So, because I'm fresh off of Thanksgiving and I'm thinking about an example when the kids were little and the TV was running and there was a baby shark video, you know, baby shark, do 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 no, do, baby please, shark. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm saving everyone. You're all welcome.
1: So, there was a baby shark video on Thanksgiving that showed natives and colonizers sitting down to a meal, and I was so pleased that. I didn't have to. My kids jumped in before I even said anything, making a point saying that that didn't happen the way that they're showing it here. So then we made a point of talking about the true history of Thanksgiving at our meals. You know, that was one of the biggest boundaries that I think we had to set. And I think it has gone without saying that people have used or tried to use Derogatory terms or generalizations about people and we stop that in the track or we ask them questions. And this is more sort of a different generation of folks that we have had these conversations with, no one in our current generation. So we definitely have had that. I think the in terms of the do part, we really make a point of listening deeply. We've set up traditions around our table. For example, again, sticking with Thanksgiving, where everyone, including the kids, goes around the table and talks about what they're thankful for that year. And we've even had tears of gratitude this year, right? When people listened and respected all of the sharing, because it's a way to connect. And so uh, people know to show up in my house and expect that they're going to participate on an emotional level and on a raw level and, and a human level. And I think that also sets the tone for what people will not do, because we don't really talk about the latest news headlines that tend towards right now, the outrageously divisive. We really generally don't make comments about things like people's bodies. And that's been since our kids were little, We don't talk about dieting, body size, skin tone, gender, or any really form of gossip where people are talking carelessly. I think all of that has set the tone for my family. We're here to have fun, make memories together, usually have games and activities lined up. We're showing up authentically in love and kindness around the table. And I think that's just been years and years of practice and setting the tone year after year.
0: Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I I think that's so important, especially that emphasis on love and kindness, because I think that sometimes you can have There are times, and I found in our own family, that we can have certain conversations when we lead with love and kindness that would not happen otherwise, and we all come away better people, if that makes sense, so... I thank you for sharing those.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I don't know that you necessarily appreciated the life-size Hungry Hungry Hippo game that we did
0: this year, but I think there's a definite mix of family that makes that possible, <laughs> and other mixed does not. I did appreciate the video, and as I mentioned, you know, my oldest gave you strategy tips for next year. So <laughs> yes. So you're all set. <laughs> we
1: are totally set. <laughs>
0: Well, okay. So now you've done that mental prep or, you know, sometimes not so mental, but collective family prep, and you're ready for guests. Your guests start arriving. Or if you're the guest, you show up at someone's house and everyone's happy until they're not right. And sometimes as you know, that changes in a heartbeat. So let's shift gears and discuss some tools that may help you navigate those uncomfortable conversations or overly racist comments in real time. So- You know, we had done some rapid fire phrases in our interview with Skylar Baylor and read passages from He, She, They, and that worked amazingly, right, Sarah? So why don't we just do it again here? Uncomfortable conversation, holiday conversation style. Let's do it. All right. So I'll kick it off first. And you know, if you've heard our podcast before, you know, this is our absolute favorite question. Ask, what do you mean by that? Which is, you know, for us, a super practical tip on how to handle the racist relative or when someone makes a racist joke. Right. Because this simple question, what do you mean by that, can not only give everyone a moment of pause, but can also cause the speaker to do some quick reflection. You know, maybe they double down on whatever offensive thing or racist thing they said. And then you have to make a decision as to whether to address that head on or to walk away. And, you know, let's asterisk this because that we'll talk a little bit about later as well. But maybe the speaker takes a pause, takes a breath and notes. Wow. Was that really what I meant to say? And then that moment translates into a real dialogue instead of, you know, shutting everyone down before that opportunity even happens.
1: Love it. So yours is, what do you mean by that? Great phrase. Another rapid fire one, use I statements. And and I'll go through a few in just a second, but these I statements really focus on what I need instead of me telling the other person what they're doing or saying wrong. It's harder for your conversation partner to argue back with you when you're talking about your own experiences. So I have a couple of say this, not that examples. Ready? You can say something like. Uh, I'm feeling misunderstood instead of you're misunderstanding me. You can say, I feel hurt by that, not you're such a whatever you're about to say about the other person. You can say, I feel like we're mixing up a few different situations. Let's take a step back and focus just on this particular issue, not, dude, that has nothing to do with this. You can say, I believe what you're saying is. Not, what the heck are you talking about? Do you like my little emphasis on the acting?
0: (laughs) I do, I do. I really appreciate this. Okay, thanks.
1: (laughs) You can say, I want this conversation to be productive. So let's take a few minutes and come back when we're both feeling a little bit less defensive. Not like, you're only choosing to hear the negative or, you know, I'd love to slow down a minute. Can you clarify what you're hearing from me so I know if I need to explain it differently? Not, you're not listening. Oh. So those are some of the examples that I would suggest with the I statements.
0: I love those I statements because I think it's so easy, right? And our knee-jerk reaction is often to focus on the other person, but to really bring it into the I sort of mindset is so, so key. So love those. Okay, I'll add another one because according to best-selling author, Simon Sinek, there are a few phrases here that can make it easier to address the other person. So sort of shifting a little bit away from the I statement because it also acknowledges our humanity. And as we've been talking about, that we may make mistakes in this process. So a couple that he offers are, please be patient with me as I try to get this out. It's important to me that I have this conversation with you. I'm afraid that I'll say the wrong thing. So please bear with me.
1: Love those. I love it because it pauses. It gives grace to the conversation. That's wonderful.
0: I think the point I want to circle
1: back to also is that this has to be a dialogue, not like this monologue, uh, fire hose of information throwing at the other person. It's uh, This is what you just said, right? It's this short exchanges of information. So I think something key to this is remembering to listen, to understand, not to rebut. We talk about that a lot. When you're listening to understand, instead of doing that thing where you're half listening, but really just waiting for the other person to stop talking before you can say the argument, you've been formulating that in your head, You know, anybody else guilty of that? I have totally done that before, right? If you're listening to learn, you are going to learn more about that person. You're going to understand more about that person. You're going to find ways to connect. And you'll also prevent them from becoming immediately defensive when you start responding because they're going to realize that you respected them enough to truly listen, not just half listen, and disregard what they said in its entirety.
0: Oh, I think that that's so important. I love that because it really acknowledges the humanity in the other person as well. So, so powerful. Okay. Another follow-on or something I'd like to add on as well is to highlight areas of agreement. So you can connect on that human level, speaking of humanity, rather than just an intellectual one. And you know this could be really anything. Maybe it's being a woman, a parent, left-handed, whatever, right? Despite, let's say, the broad spectrum of reactions to, you know, hypothetically speaking, perhaps how Congress is going these days, you know, <laughs> just pulling an example out of thin air. Maybe everyone at your holiday table is against a government shutdown. Find those points of agreement and meet there first, right? Because in the end, you're more likely to listen to someone who sees you. And when you feel seen and vice versa, right? Humanity is not a zero sum game. In fact, affirming the humanity in others and really seeing them actually increases, not decreases, your own humanity. So let's just take a moment to process that one and see if we can find that, you know, the humanity in others.
1: I really appreciate that because I think it takes a certain level of strength And intention to remain centered in that space of acknowledging someone else's humanity, even when you want to just have a knee jerk reaction. And so that's a great one. Remember, you can help shape the narrative. That's a dialogue between two people. All of that said, I think it's really important you alluded to this earlier, sometimes you do have to walk away to protect your own well being there really are some conversations that really cannot be had at the time that you want to have them, or maybe not even for a little while afterwards, because it's too much. You just can't get to that place where you'll be proud of how you are handling yourself. And if it gets to be too much, one of the things we always talk about is the importance of breathing. You know, you just mentioned humanity. None of us are these heads walking around without bodies attached. Breathing and taking care of our bodies, slowing down, Like all of that is super important. And if none of that is working, it's okay to change the topic or walk away.
0: I love that you especially mentioned breathing because I don't think we can say that enough. And I know because I do this, right? It is human tendency to hold your breath, right? When things get difficult or tough or when things get heated, But don't do that. Right. We you want to use your breath as a tool. And I'm saying this as a reminder to myself as well to not only drop back into your body, but also to stay focused, to stay calm and to stay present.
1: I love when the lawyer says these things, not the woo woo person on the call. Like this is really awesome to hear because I think it's becoming so like the information about the importance of our breath, about us remaining in our bodies, it's becoming more mainstream. It's becoming more known. And I think this is something that we still forget to, especially of our generation, because it's not a skill we were taught growing up.
0: So true. Well, and I I was in ballet class the other day and, you know, the teacher was saying, If you've been holding your breath, let it out. And it's true. When things get really hard or when you try and focus really intently on something, you will hold your breath. And so I absolutely think that this is something that was not talked about when we were growing up, except in very specific ways. But this is something that is like an essential tool, right? For all of us.
1: So Let's all take a breath in. (laughs) And a long, slow breath.
0: Well, and you may need this also because we can't forget what happens after the gathering, right? Kind of like if you've ever heard a fitness instructor talk about stretching at the end of class being the most important part of class. So, you know, as a former fitness instructor, don't leave a rush through that part because you lose those amazing benefits and ability to recover faster for next time. But just like that, it's important to reflect on what just happened in your holiday gathering, not only because it's fresh in your mind, but also because it's a great way to learn and grow personally. So Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask, what are some questions that we could and should be asking ourselves after a holiday gathering where things may or, you know, may not have gone like we'd hoped? I would say things like this.
1: Do you feel proud of how you managed the conversation or do you feel embarrassed or let down? If you want to maybe take it more intellectually, like what went well and what didn't? Did you meet the goals you set out for the discussion? What might have come up, like what topical areas could you personally learn more about? What did you learn about the gaps in your knowledge? When you reflect on the conversation of the tactics, for example, that we just talked about, how did those conversation tactics go? Bigger picture, do you feel differently now about the person or the problem? And what do you wish you had done differently? And thinking forward, what boundaries should we be setting in the future? You know, who do you need to reach out to to make those boundaries happen better, more effectively, and to help you in that process?
0: Oh, I love those because I I'm the type of person who, when something, when I reflect on something after the fact, I tend to focus on like one sole thing that I feel like went terribly and then beat myself up about it. So I love that these questions look at a much broader view of everything, right? And get at different parts of that, really with sort of this growth mindset attached to it. So thank you for sharing. And, you know, I know we've talked about a lot of tips, some concrete and some more general, but if there was one pro tip you'd like to leave our listeners with that you think might change the way their holiday conversations could go, Sarah, what's that tip?
1: Mm, Great question. I can be pretty direct and harsh when I get triggered. And I know that's just shocking to all of you because I'm just such a happy soul. But I, like I just mentioned, I've been really working on getting into my body, which sounds so woo-woo, but it's really like learning from the science of how to calm myself down. It's activating the parasympathetic nervous system, taking that long, super long, slow, slow, slow breath out. And then being gentle in my tone and response while I hold that firm loving line. Like, I think part of this is growing older. My body is done with the drama. I'm in my mid-40s now. I just, I can't live in that space unless it's an emergency. Like if someone really did something awful, used the N-word in my presence sort of awful, I'll absolutely go straight for all that needs to be said and I'll instantly hold a line. But unless we're talking about that level of urgency, I think it's going to be about keeping the inner peace while holding the line. So again, I'm in my body, I'm being gentle, I'm reminding myself that it's okay to enjoy this life and have my boundaries set and that you can do these things at the same time. What about you? What's one tip that you're going to take with you this holiday season?
0: Okay. So first of all, thank you because I love that perspective, right? Over time too, because I think that we keep learning, right? And you just demonstrated that so beautifully, so- Thank you for sharing. Okay. So, you know, for me, I do love a good, what do you mean by that? But I think that I'm really going to focus on listening, right? Listening to understand, listen more, talk less perhaps, which is hard for me, especially with close friends and family, because I I feel like I always want to interject um, instead of waiting for someone to finish. And I was reminded of that one from a seminar recently about kids' mental health But, you know, I think it's so important for all of us to remember, if we want to truly see others and see the humanity in others and be seen and have our humanity seen on this very basic level, we really have to learn about the other person first. You know, I keep thinking about finding the similarities and going from there. And sometimes that is really hard. I get it. And it's not an overnight change. And I think that's, you know, why this is such an intentional practice. And there is no checklist, which I know is a huge bummer for all of us. But it is a great reminder about the intentionality, about the need to be thoughtful, and about the need to be respectful. And, you know, Sarah, to your point, not of racism, right, and especially over very damaging racism, but of the humanity and others, in order to really move that needle and find and be that change in our own communities, or, you know, around our own holiday tables.
1: Love that. I think that is what we need more than anything, because we have some major decisions coming up in this country. And if we can't have these conversations around our holiday tables, if we are not willing to use our voice for the people that we have the power to influence, nothing is going to change. And certainly nothing is going to change for the better, because we're taking it for granted that other people are going to do this work. It's up to us. If you're looking for more tips and tools, we also have them in our book dear white women let's get uncomfortable talking about racism and we're also always happy to come into your workplace parent group school or book club in person or more importantly virtually to talk about how to have these conversations and actually workshop what that might look like we're booking into 2024 now after a hugely successful year of speaking and we would love to connect with your community so please reach out to us You've just listened to the Dear White Women podcast with your hosts, Sarah and Misasha. Yes, we're on social media. And yes, you can hire us to do talks about our book. But the biggest thing, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to receive our free materials. Head over to DearWhiteWomen.com to get on the list.